0: Iowa Everywhere. Hello, everyone. John Miller, Iowa Everywhere podcast. Wanted to uh, just do maybe a little standalone episode here. On the topic that came up the other night, when it was announced that Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, uh, and Chris Doyle, former Iowa strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle, had been dismissed from the uh, racial discrimination lawsuit filed by former Iowa football players, uh, either seven or eight former Iowa football players, and you know what that might mean, uh, because I, I've seen a lot of people on social media spike in the football, maybe taken a a victory lap a little bit. And I don't know that that is what this news would lead you to from a legal standpoint. There have been several follow-up articles. Um, Chad Lysico of the uh, Des Moines Register being one of them. I know that the Gazette had an article Um, where the reporters spoke with actual attorneys to get their interpretation of what this means. Um, I spoke with an attorney. I reached out and traded some text communications with another attorney. And I just want to talk about that a little bit. First and foremost, just playing this one right down the center relative to news and facts. When I interject my own opinion, I will be clear and say that to delineate between the facts opinion. All right. And I'm not going to go too deep down the road of opinion on something that I am not in possession of all the facts on. I know John, why are you starting now? This is a pretty serious topic. This isn't about who's going to be number two on the depth chart and why. Uh, These are very, very serious matters. So first and foremost, dismissing Kirk and Brian and, and Chris Doyle, uh, without prejudice and what that means. Seth Wallace last week was dismissed with prejudice. Seth Wallace is done as it relates to any potential future litigation relative to this specific matter. Or this specific uh case. Um Ference, Doyle, and Ference, that's not the case. That's the difference between being dismissed from a case with or without prejudice. One means you're you're done relative to that case. One means you're not necessarily done, but the case is moving forward at this point in time without you as a key and central figure. And let me just add this. A month or more ago, I talked with someone. And it's led. And then I talk with another person to try and corroborate what I had heard from the first person I'd spoken with and what I'm led to believe, which informs my opinion, is that the university wanted to settle. They approached the Ferences about their desire. I'm led to believe that the Ferences who had their own counsel Uh, which you would expect them to have their own council and not just have university council on the advice from their council, they did not want to settle Uh, a settlement is in the court of public, public opinion, potentially the court of human legacy, the court of potential future employment. That is not going to look like an exoneration in any way, shape or form no it would not that is something that is on your uh in the first paragraph of your obituary Kirk Ferentz highly successful college football coach at the University of Iowa who stayed there for 20 plus years but was also embroiled in a racial discrimination lawsuit near the end of his tenure passed away today that's a first paragraph of obituary item that sticks with you and i don't think Kirk Ferrance, Brian Fatt, I don't think they want to settle. So you have that. I think the university realizing that they were not going to settle. My belief is opposing counsel was made aware of that. And probably, this is again, this right here is my opinion, okay? I'm gonna be clear on that. The university still expressed interest in wanting to settle opposing counsel realized that there is a path to a expedited outcome for their clients. And thus we had the dismissal uh, of Ference, Ference and Doyle from this lawsuit. And again, it sounds a little bit like I'm rambling. I'm probably even more monotone and disjointed than I normally am here, but I'm just trying to be very careful, very clear as we move on. So being dismissed from a lawsuit isn't a victory lap. I'm also not sitting here saying that, all right, just because they're dismissed, they're still guilty. This, that, that. I am not a judge or jury. Neither are you. But there is a court of a public opinion. And it clearly matters to human beings. Facts. Again, let's return to the facts. There were two reports that we know of that looked into some claims by former players in the summer of 2020 late spring early summer of 2020 two reports looked into these both reports both reports found that there was racial bias within the iowa football program one of those reports was put together by the university of iowa the other report was from an outside source the hush blackwell firm both reports one internally produced one externally produced found evidence of racial bias within the Iowa football program. That has not changed. That will not change. Those reports are a matter of record and let me repeat it one more time. One of those reports was internally produced by the University of Iowa. And the external report, while I don't know that I would use the term corroborated Iowa's internal report, the external report also found evidence of racial bias within the Iowa football program. Two reports, factual, facts, the dismissal of anyone from a lawsuit doesn't change those two things being true, which is again why I do not feel that this is a victory lap hill to die on. That's not going to stop a number of people and it certainly hasn't. But uh, cognitive reasoning is a supply that is is short. We're running out of that in society today. Two things in the world of law can be true. You can not be prosecuted for something You can have your involvement in a case be dropped, and that also does not necessarily mean that there was no wrongdoing done. I don't know, however, all the details in this. I had seen, you know, I noticed, um, you know, some tweets, uh, a tweet from uh, Tyler uh, Kluver of the Washed Up Walk-Ons, and I'll read it directly. He he tweeted this on um, February 28th. So many thoughts we'll discuss this on the podcast Thursday he's referring to the washed up Walcomons podcast I'll say this now I wish I wasn't so soft back in 2020 and overcautious of being auto canceled for any support of Chris Doyle Coach Doyle rather. I knew most of what happened, especially the lawsuit was BS from the jump. And I, I like Tyler. I respect Tyler. I respect the grind and the hustle and the entrepreneurship of what they do on their show, even if I don't always agree with the content that is expressed. And you all don't always agree with the content that I'm expressing. Some of you right now are probably are not in agreement with the content I'm expressing. I'm not picking on Tyler. I'm just basically using that tweet as a, um, I guess, hierarchical example or representative of some... Some thoughts that I know are out there. In Tyler's case, Tyler was in the program for a number of years, as were Drake and Kevin, who are also on the podcast with him. And they're in possession of facts or observations that I certainly am not in possession of. Um, the three of them have had and still have a great deal of respect for Chris Doyle. Um, Chris Doyle was most prominently mentioned amongst the former players relative to their concerns of racial bias within the program. You know, probably for every one mention of someone else, there were four mentions of Chris Doyle And Iowa felt that they needed to fire Chris Doyle. Some might say, well, they just did that to offer up a sacrifice and try to make this go away. I understand the jaded view on such things, but he was frequently, frequently mentioned. But I also understand when you have a personal relationship with somebody, it gets complicated. But just moving aside from, from Tyler's tweet there, and again, Tyler's tweet, I think, is just really representative of, of uh, a decent amount of voices on this matter from, with, from within the f- Iowa fan base. I, I think one thing to also not forget... You know, the players that are involved in the suit against Iowa, the current suit that we're discussing, was it seven or eight players? I've seen a lot of conversations over the last couple of years pursuant to the credibility of those specific players. I'm not going to get in on this episode of when. Uh, this, you know, this podcast episode of whether or not those players, uh, their voices are any more or less valid or their opinions are any more. Everyone's voice is valid. Everyone's opinion has a right to be heard. The veracity of those opinions, again, not for me to decide. But let's set that aside and let's not forget that in late May and early June of 2020 and into the summer, over 50 former Iowa black players expressed their concerns over racial bias within the Iowa football program. James Daniels, someone that Kirk Ferentz prior to 2020, prior to the summer of 2020, when the racial bias conversations began to happen pursuant to the Iowa football program. James Daniels was a made man in that program. James Daniels was a shining example, someone that Kirk Ferentz would often mention, basically a prototypical example of what the Iowa football program could produce. Great human being, great family, great player. So when James Daniels started to talk about things like this, people listened. James Daniels also approached Gary Barda at one point before then, to talk about these things. And James felt that those concerns fell on deaf ears. Iowa had opportunities before any of this went public, before any former players began to go public en masse like what happened in the summer of 2020. Iowa had opportunities to address this. And the steps and measures they took to address it fell short in the eyes Of James Daniels and many former players. So, you know, if you're one of those people that wants to disparage the players that are currently involved in that lawsuit that we were, that this whole podcast is about, if you want to dismiss them for whatever reasons you have, that's fine. But don't forget that there were over 40 other former Iowa black football players who also expressed concerns, including Amani hooker. Um, who responded to James Daniels June 5th tweet where James Daniels said, there are too many racial disparities in the Iowa football program. Black players have been treated unfairly for far too long. James Daniels tweeted that at 7:08 PM on June 5th, 2020, which was basically the shot heard around the world and kicked off a number of players then feeling bold enough to step out and share their experiences. James Daniels then followed up with more tweets, University of Iowa has realized these problems and things are being done. And then he sent a link to some ongoing conversations that were taking place. Then he uh, lauded Dr. Elizabeth Tovar, who's been doing work to try to help uh, minority students at Iowa, minority athletes at Iowa, to quote James, quote, feel as comfortable as possible, but she can only do so much, end quote. Then he shared something from Maurice Fleming, Jake Jake Gervas weighed in, then Amani Hooker weighed in. Amani Hooker on June 5th of 2020 said, I remember whenever walking into the facility, it would be difficult for black players. To walk around the facility and be themselves as if the way you grew up was the wrong way or wasn't acceptable and that you would be judged by that and it would impact playing time continuing Amani hooker for a lot of guys it was just constant anxiety and pressure to be someone they aren't they really aren't to play a game they love which affected the school and their play Tavon Smith, June 5th, 2020. A lot of my brothers dealt with issues, and I'm glad someone is speaking on it now. Greg Maven chimed in. Uh, LeBron Stevens chimed in. Uh, multiple former players chimed in, stepped out. There were over 50 former Iowa black football players who expressed some concerns in the late spring and summer of 2020. There were two reports one internally by the University of Iowa, a University of Iowa investigation, one external by Hush Blackwell. Both of them said there was racial bias within the Iowa football program. Again, not a victory lap. This is not a victory lap. This is a legal proceeding. And very likely, we will learn Reasons why this particular step took place on the twenty seventh day of February two thousand twenty three, late in the evening, news drops that Kirk Ferentz, Chris Doyle, and Brian Ferentz were no longer um, part of the. I guess it's not the defendants, but the the lawsuit brought by the former players doesn't mean that they can't be brought in, brought back in. This is not over yet, and when I say that. I'm not relishing that in any way, shape, or form. I wish it were over, but over in a way where black players at the University of Iowa feel entirely comfortable to be able to approach a coach or an administrator with concerns they have over treatment they feel is unfair and that their voices are heard and those inequities are dealt with and removed now i imagine there's been a lot of progress made i mean i've i've read the players comments the same as you have over these last couple of years uh, i've read them and been encouraged by them the steps that Iowa's was making so i'm certain that iowa has made progress iowa is still able to successfully recruit and sign black players to come and play for them. So I imagine that the changes have been made and positive changes at that. But I do want to leave you with one last thought. I am a 51 about to be 52 year old white man. I will never ever know what it feels like to be a black person in the United States of America. I'll never know that. I can sit with a microphone in front of my face for the rest of my life. I could go full-on social justice warrior, but I'll never fully know what it feels like to have black skin in the United States of America. And over the last two years, and I've this is the first time that I have commented at length. Relative to these matters. I've tweeted about it a little bit. I stepped away from Hawkeye nation after the holiday bowl in December of 2019. I stepped away from Twitter for about three months and the pandemic hit and we were all locked up inside and Twitter became kind of my social life. I didn't record another podcast of any type until Luca Garza announced that he was returning to for another year to play basketball for Iowa. That was the first time I fired up the podcast machine in about nine months. So the entire summer and spring of 2020, I was not on the air. I did not have a podcast. I didn't announce that I was going to do Hawkeye podcast until October of 2020. And I didn't realize I was going to do it until September of 2020. Right. So I was kind of, you know, taking the break that I needed to take at that period of time relative to my other uh, business interests. So this is the first time that I've talked about this at length and that thought has just stuck with me the entire time when i've thought about the allegations that i've read um, and, and all these aspects swirling around the university of iowa's football program as it relates to the racial bias the one thing that always enters my mind the one thought that always enters my mind is i'm never going to know how these players have felt because i'm never going to know what racial bias feels like. I am not going to know that. I am white. I am a male. There are many degrees of American society that are set up for the patriarchy to continue. There are systems that are still in place that in their history and past were absolutely discriminatory in their creation. It wasn't until the mid-1960s that black and white people seeking to purchase homes and get mortgages on their homes were legally protected to be treated fairly and equally. If you've never heard the topic of redlining, redlining districts in cities, then you need to look into it. It was a federally funded institution. It was a system ergo systemic setup where there were certain neighborhoods in certain cities that they drew red lines around those neighborhoods, and banks would not lend to homes within those districts and or if they did, it was unequal treatment relative to rates and you guessed it inside those red areas those were considered black neighborhoods i live in the kansas city metro area i am very aware of where those red-zoned districts were. Those were set up in the 1930s by the FHA, the Federal Housing Authority. Again, government policies, government institutions that actively promoted racial inequities. Those neighborhoods, those people that purchased homes in those neighborhoods, they didn't experience the portion of the American dream that tens of millions of white Americans experienced from the 1940s, the 1950s, after World War II, the boom of home ownership, the boom of home construction and suburban development, and people going and buying houses and beginning to develop and build generational wealth for their children and their children's children due to equity being gained in their house, which is the most common form or has been over the last hundred years, the most common form of wealth building in American society has been home ownership and the equity gain you get in your house from owning a home over time and the value of that house going up. Black people were left behind on that from a federal system perspective. That's just one example. Just one example. Don't even get me started today on the... I'm just going to throw this. Did you, did you all realize it wasn't until like the mid-1970s that, that women could get credit cards without their husbands basically co-signing and approving it? That's a topic for a different day. It is undeniable. It is fact that there have been systems in place, and I would offer, that still are systems in place in this country... To where being a white male like I am is an experience that is 180 degrees different than being a black American. So I'll never know. And I have great compassion and I intend to spend a good chunk of time on the rest of the time that I have on this planet being a voice where and when I can. May not amount to much of anything. I recognize that. But I'm not going to sit by and say nothing any longer but as it relates to this particular topic that is something that i hope even the most jaded amongst you can at least acknowledge you will never know what it's like to live with black skin in the united states of america and that road is a harder road and that doesn't dismiss any challenges on roads that you may have traveled down in your life, any hardships that you may have incurred. Well, John, I grew up poor, or I grew up, uh, you know, with this socioeconomic disadvantage, et cetera, doesn't take away anything from the struggles that you have had in your life. It just means that you have one less struggle. And that one less struggle, if you're white, is that you don't have black skin in America because that is a, an additional challenge and an additional hurdle that so many people have fought incredibly hard on a daily basis. Many of them have given their lives to try to change that reality. I am certainly hopeful that that reality will be changed one day as we are, what now, 60, almost 60 years on from Martin Luther King's I have a dream speech. I will say this, one of my favorite things to do when I visit Washington, D.C., and one that brings tears to my eyes every single time is standing on the spot in front of the Lincoln Memorial that is marked on the ground where Martin Luther King stood and gave that speech. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's even more powerful, especially when you begin to actually read real American history and not the whitewashed versions that we all grew up with. This is beginning to be a topic for a different podcast episode. This will be a topic along the lines of what Chris Williams and I are going to get to when we have our, I don't even want to call it a personality podcast, but when we start talking about things that are not sports related, ergo much more important. But there are times when politics or social issues intersect with sports and we talk about them. So my takeaways, Kirk and Brian and Chris being dismissed from this lawsuit, I don't think it's a cause for spiking the football because I don't think this is over yet. Um, it's from the parents' perspective. Um, if this is settled and their names are not tied to it per se relative to um, a settlement, then, yeah, that is good for them. That is, that is good news for them. There were two studies, investigations done on racial bias within the Iowa football football program, one internal, one external. Both of them showed there was racial bias. That fact has not changed. Iowa fired Chris Doyle. That fact has not changed. Iowa has instituted a number of changes within the football program to make all athletes feel comfortable, safe, included. Those things didn't just happen Because, you know, people saw it and acted upon it. They were forced to because James Daniels and other brave human beings spoke out, spoke against power in this instance, that that power is being abused. Well, how can you say that, John? Both reports, external and internal, said so. That's how. Okay. Don't lose sight of that. And even if you don't necessarily, um, even if you're not of an opinion to go along with the current players involved in the lawsuit, the seven or eight, if you don't feel that, you know, they're trustworthy or or, or whatever word you want to ascribe to it, just remember there were 40 other Iowa black football players that spoke out as well. And Occam's razor leads me to believe that, you know, a couple of people speaking out and maybe their stories didn't line up. That's fine. But when there's that many, it's hard to discount that. The university of Iowa didn't discount that. They've put things in place for change. So the university of Iowa saw that there was racial bias, racial inequities within the football program. Hush Blackwell, the outside investigator saw that there were racial inequities and racial bias within the football program. If that's the case, and Iowa has made sweeping changes within the football program, why are some of you unable to believe that? Maybe that's a better question to ask yourself, ponder on. Hopefully you do. We'll talk soon. Iowa everywhere.